Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. Order. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live once more from College Green right here uh, in Westminster at the very heart of everything that is going on uh, with the Brexit debacle. What we do know is this. Theresa May is having a cabinet meeting this morning. Uh, she's attempting to persuade everybody in the Conservative Party who has a vote this evening in Parliament to vote along with her Plan C, uh, which appears to be something to do with Plan A uh, versus Plan B. Add a bit of uh, magic, add a bit of semolina pudding, and then you get Plan C. That appears to mean that you go back to Brussels and get some kind of compromise backstop deal in Northern Ireland. But what is it? Nobody knows the answer to that. The one big thing that nobody knows in Westminster is exactly what is going to happen next. We've got all manner of amendments to look at. Uh, we've now got something called uh, the Malthouse Compromise, which sounds like some kind of Jason Bourne movie. I'm not quite sure what that all means. We will be trying to find out that we are the only radio station worth listening to. We are the only radio station here on Westminster Green at all times, telling you exactly what's going on and telling you precisely what is about to happen. Uh, you know what to do. We want to hear from you as well. 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, live from Westminster. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Well, I've decided, actually, that the best way to measure the temperature down here in Westminster is whether I'm wearing a scarf, whether I'm wearing a jumper, whether I'm wearing the massive coat uh, that I bring with me on every single occasion I come down here. At the moment, there's no coat, there's no scarf, there's just a jacket uh, and a jumper. So, what I'm telling you is, we haven't even got cold yet down here, so there's lots to talk about, lots to do, lots of great guests, including, of course, kicking us off, Henry Newman, Director of the Open Europe Think Tank, uh, a man who once was a special advisor to Michael Gove. Henry, welcome back to the uh, Talk Radio Tent of Shame, Good as morning. it has become known. Um, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I've got leggings on, I've got a scarf, so I'm clearly feeling colder than you. Yeah, well, you are. I don't know why I'm not feeling cold today, but it doesn't feel as... I mean, we were told it was going to be snowing. It's a semolina pudding. And, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's the lowering of the expectations, I think, <laughs> that does the trick, right? Because if right. somebody tells you you're going to have a really miserable time because it's going to be snowing, it's going to be blowing a gale, you're going to be suffering from frostbite, and then you get down here and it's actually warmer than it was yesterday... 
Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. But Spot, what, yeah. what I don't know uh, is what on earth has been going on overnight. Because what we what we do know is that John Burko, around about 11 o'clock this morning, is going to decide on which amendments he's going to tack on to the Brexit withdrawal bill. We're assuming that in order to prove himself to be a fair and honest uh, dealer, he will probably include the Brady amend, uh, um, Amendment. I'm assuming he'll uh, approve the Yvette Cooper Amendment. Mm. But we now have this Malthouse Compromise thing, which is kind of confusing the issue. Tell us about that. So what, what we saw overnight was a plan emerging from a group of different Conservative backbench MPs. I and mean, these are MPs on both sides of the Brexit divide, from mm. the sort of hard Remain side, uh, potentially, to the uh, harder Brexit side. Um, and they've come up with a series of plans, Plan A, Plan B and Plan C, that they want to persuade the Prime Minister to put back to Europe. Right. I think she'll send some very warm signals about this, and I think she'll uh, be happy to put those to Europe. But I don't think, sadly, there's much chance of them actually flying in Brussels. I spoke to uh, some senior sources earlier today, and they were quite clear that um, this just wasn't really a starter, and they, they tried to put these ideas before. On the other hand, I think Brussels will need to move, because mm. I think what we've seen over the last few days is, although at one level nothing's changed and we're still sitting here on College Green, we haven't seen a huge takeoff in support for a second referendum or a right. people's vote. It doesn't look like a majority is coalescing and around Corbyn that. Corbyn still seems to be wavering around on that, doesn't Exactly, it? and unless and until Corbyn moves, and potentially even if he does move, uh, some of my colleagues at Open Europe have looked at the numbers, crunched through the detail, and they think even if Corbyn moved to backing a second referendum, we'd still be about 50 votes short of that in Parliament. So I don't think that's a very... That doesn't seem to be happening yet. Yeah, so that's the least likely of all. I mean, what we have heard about that as well, and we were talking about this yesterday, was that it remains on the table and we'll still be there if everything else fails if you like right that's and, that, and i think also one, one of the things i've been trying to point to is i think actually a second referendum can be very difficult from the eu side mm. either the uk could vote in again but then be a very unstable partner with yeah. a huge sort of domestic narrative of betrayal yeah um, which i'm sure we've talked about on the show before or the uk could vote leave and sort of essentially have given two fingers again to yeah. the eu and that would be very difficult for them so i don't think it's particularly helpful from the eu side so i think if i was sitting in brussels and or in a member a key member state i would be thinking what can we do to try and get this deal over the line mm. clearly it's not quite there yet we don't want to reopen everything and start from scratch that's not realistic but can we tweak it can we nudge it over the line and we had some sort of key brexiteers who had um, so, so far been quite critical of the deal coming out over the last few days and saying look a few changes that would get it for me so we saw boris johnson saying a freedom clause would help him uh, sing from the rafters about how great the deal was yes can we get that perhaps but you know yeah. Well, I mean, interesting times last night as well. Quite a lot of meetings being held within the parliamentary Tory party. And there was a kind of standoff, wasn't there, between Boris Johnson and Theresa May, at which point he actually said to her, what is it that you want, Prime Minister? Yes. Um, and, of course, not surprisingly, she didn't really tell him. Yes. Uh, I mean, I th so I, I got some sort of readouts of that backbench uh, meeting, the, the meeting of the 1922 committee uh, with the Prime Minister. Uh, and, yes, I mean, I think that she's under pressure from them to define what her plan is. Mm. I think that's that's that, that's completely understandable. On the, the other hand, of course, the Prime Minister is in a difficult position because the EU are turning around to her and saying, well, we don't really believe you that if you, if we, even if we did change the backstop, which, by the way, we don't want to do, mm. we don't believe that would actually persuade MPs to get over the line and, and compromise enough yeah. to vote for your deal. This Malthouse compromise appears to be a kind of a middle ground, possibly, because when she talks about her plan B with, um, you know, alternative remedies, if you like, mm. uh, alternative um, solutions to the backstop problem, um, we don't know what they are. Whereas the Malthouse Compromise apparently is suggesting that there could be a deadline put on it, uh, there could be a watering down of the wording. Right. So they're being a bit more specific. So at one level, the Malthouse plan is a miracle because it's achieved a compromise from two wings of the Conservative Party. Mm. You've got Nicky Morgan and Steve Baker signed up to the same thing. This is on a, on a par of making pandas mate in a yes, zoo. Right. It's a huge deal. Yeah. But I think the problem with it is that you haven't got 
the EU on board. So there is a third element to this yes. triangle. You can't just broker a compromise between Leavers and Remainers in the Tory party. You've got to get Brussels to agree. And I think the idea of Brussels agreeing to the changes in this isn't going to fly. But isn't the idea that you go to Brussels and say, look, this is the one deal that we've got. You've watched what happened before. You saw the massive defeat by 230 votes the first time we put your plan to them. Because let's face it, it is basically the EU's plan. Yep. Um, and unless you go with this plan, then it's going to be no deal. And it's going to be WTO yeah, no rules uh, on March the 29th. So I don't, I don't think it's realistic to say that see the EU actually buying the Mothos plan. But I do think they might then turn around and say, well, look, we could accept this. Mm. And that's the space we need to be in. And I think what we saw last week, actually, was the EU had quite a bad week. Yeah. We saw Michel Barnier's spokesman essentially saying that if there was no deal, there'd be a hard border. Uh, the Irish Taoiseach, the Irish Prime Minister, doubled down and said there could be a militarised hard border in the event of no deal. Mm. And then the EU turned around and said, well, actually, no, 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 we do everything possible to avoid a border, even in the event of no deal, which sort of begs the question, well, why do we need the backstop in the first place? Sure. No, I was talking to somebody um, overnight as well about the various ins and outs of ports and, and, and whether there are no deal Brexit would cause a problem for anybody. And if anyone is going to suffer, um, in, it's not going to be Britain. It's probably more likely to be Ireland, because if there was a problem at any port in which Ireland is involved, mm. i.e. whether it was on the Irish uh, 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 sort of mainland, if you like, or whether it was on the British mainland, um, you know, it would be Ireland that would lose out because they wouldn't be able to move anything. I think it's, I think it's certainly true that no deal would be very, very damaging for, for Ireland, and yeah. they're very aware of that. Uh, and there's this particularly ironic situation at the moment where the thing that is stopping us at getting to a negotiated agreement is the backstop. Mm. That, of course, is something designed to prevent a hard border in Ireland. And if we, but if we don't manage to get through because of the backstop, we could get... A hard border. Yeah, it's a sort of it's a bizarre it's loop. It's a of, sort of bizarre catch yeah. twenty two, but it also makes make, makes it more obvious for them uh, to want to, to avoid a no deal at all costs, really. So as we move closer to what I think will happen, which is a, some some form of a, of a compromise deal, mm. you know, this kind of everything's beginning to feed into that now. You know, the Europeans don't really want us uh, to leave without a deal. The Irish certainly don't, um, and there are plenty of people in uh, the Palace of Westminster behind us here uh, who don't want to well, do that. That would either. all be very logical, but I mean, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, somebody on the thank on you a, very much. I, I pride myself on my logic. <laughs> Somebody see. on the leave side could, could point out that if this was a completely rational, logical organisation that worked in the ways you'd suggested, yeah. the country, we wouldn't have had to vote to leave it in the first place. That's very true. And of course, the, the fact that we are fighting so hard to leave it, they're trying so hard to keep us in, eventually they'll have to realise we're going. And then they'll have to realise, presumably, the best means of that happening and the least damaging means of that happening is to get some kind of an, uh, an organised deal. From Westminster. Order! With Rapier Sharp Instant Reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live on College Green down in Westminster. We're calling it Super Tuesday, not just because George Freeman is here. Uh, he's Conservative MP, of course, for Mid and Norfolk. Uh, George, a very good morning to you once again. Nice um, it's looking uh, very, very uh, fascinating, is it not? As far as the whole kind of um, uh, amendment scenario goes on, we'll find out soon uh, whether or not the, the Brady amendments on the uh, on the ballot it probably will be. But the Yvette Cooper one is going to be there as well. What are you hearing about how many Tories might vote for that in order to kind of destabilise? Brexit altogether. This is like reviewing the horses for the uh, Brexit. It is a novice bit, yeah. chase, isn't yeah, it? it? The is. runners and riders, absolutely, as they line up. Please Look, bet responsibly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that one of the things tonight is you know, bet, um, vote early, vote often. Yeah, uh, I think there'll be quite a lot of multiple votes. Uh -huh. Look, I think tonight you're going to see. How I does that work actually in terms of you know the, the the lobbying process? Do you have to go through for each different amendment? Yes. Right. So um, your listeners. Um, uh, 
uh, may be aware that the House actually only ever ha has two lobbies, yes and no. Mm. So um, we vote yes or no, we don't vote. There, is, there isn't a government lobby. Or, or, you, or you can abstain. Or you can abstain, yeah. 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 So tonight, I mean, I, um, I'm not going to make a prediction because things are in flux right now. Meetings are going on, deals are being done, and compromise is accepted. But I hope what we're going to see tonight is the Conservative Party come together and set out the basis on which the Prime Minister could get this withdrawal deal through Parliament mm. uh, to go back to Europe and negotiate it. Europe have been saying, tell us what you want, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, and to be They've fair, also been saying that they won't change anything about the backstop, though, haven't they? Yeah, they always say that. Though. Well, you say that, but they haven't always said it because we've never done it before. Look, all the history of European negotiations is they take it up to the, to the wire, mm. and I think it's really important that we speak clearly with a voice here. And my position is if, you know, I'll, I'll compromise to try and find a Brexit deal that the PM can get through. Yeah. And I really hope that hardline Brexit colleagues, Conservative colleagues, will also do the same. We had the weird thing two weeks ago where I voted for Brexit, having been a Remainer, and they abandoned me to vote with Jeremy Corbyn yeah. against. I mean, couldn't make it up. Well, so exactly. I hope tonight... But that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because in the end, um, we I was talking to John Rental earlier uh, from The Independent, who wrote Tony Blair's biography and who was quite close to Tony Blair. Doesn't defend what he does, of course, all the time. However, I said to him, you know, surely the presence of people like Tony Blair and others going over to uh, negotiate with uh, people in Europe is undermining the government's position because the government can't go there with any great uh, sort of honesty and say, you know, this is a united front that we're presenting to you when they know they've already seen it's somebody really else. Not says, it, it's really not helpful. It really isn't helpful, actually. And I mean, you can say what you like about David Cameron, but keeping quiet is mm. uh, pretty helpful, actually. Yeah. And I think Tony Blair uh, sort of betanned and wandering around uh, Brussels telling them, don't worry, we're going to get a second referendum is really not helpful. It's almost as unhelpful as... Um, power brokers from Davos telling the British public yes. that they were wrong. Look, we've got to sort this out. The British people have given us an inconvenient mandate. Mm. 4852, leave the European Political Union. My leavers in Norfolk, it was the Norfolk, my constituency voted to leave, said yeah. to me, George, we want to be in the common market, not in a political union. Yes. And that's what we've got to somehow find a way mm. to do. I hope today that we find uh, maybe the Malthouse Amendment will provide the basis of yeah. some unity. And my message to hardline conservative Brexiteers is be careful because you're playing with fire. If you're, if you're not careful, we're going to end up with a cross-party Brexit, which I would support, but the Labour Party MPs will want uh, a softer Brexit mm. than we would have originally had, and public opinion's wearing thin if you're not careful. You risk losing the whole of Brexit altogether. Well, absolutely. Let's go to the phones, because a lot of people want to have their say as well. 0344 This is the one radio station where you can get on uh, and say anything you want, obviously within reason. Uh, we're going to talk now, though, uh, to Simon, I think, who is in uh, Bolton. Hello, Simon. Mike, um, yeah. it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Uh, I've switched from a certain other radio Top man. that's on from 10 o'clock. Top man. And um, he's done my head in for the last two years <laughs> of the constant doom and gloom. Really. Yeah. Uh, I, you can't even get through when you ring up because he won't let me on. Cause, no. anyway, Too sensible. I, I, fought and, I fought and served in the Coldstream Guards. I did eight years in the Guards, Mike. Right. And I served in Ireland in the 70s when it kicked off and it was bad. But anyway, I voted to leave. I knew what I was voting for. I, I understood what I was voting for, and, you know, I don't like being called a gammon head and all that. My no. my question is, these amendments that have been tabled, if, are they, nobody can, I can't seem to get an answer from somebody, are they legally binding? So let's for argument's sake the Yvette Cooper amendment goes yes. through, which I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't. 
Does the government have to follow that amendment? Is it legal in, in, in legal law? Or can she just say, oh, no, I'm not going with that. I'm going to do it. And I just can't understand. I listened to your show the other day when you were on about positivity. Yes. I just can't understand why these politicians won't listen to what the people are asking for because... It will be tied to Mike if they well, go indeed. against it. I'm serious. Well, somebody passed me on Twitter uh, yesterday um, uh, one of the leaflets that, that, that Yvette Cooper put out during the election in which she said that she would stand by Brexit and by any Brexit decision made by the British public. But let me put you across to George Freeman because he's an MP. He's in the House of Commons today. Uh, you can answer that question, I'm sure. It's not a binding legal uh, amendment, is it? No. Thank you. Uh, f- firstly, thank you, Simon. Um, and thank you for what you've done for the armed forces. That's fun for my family. We're all old cold streamers and great regiment. Um, uh, look, I think you're absolutely right that we have to honour the referendum result. And um, for me, that means the 48 and the 52. Brexit referendum wasn't a moment to just suddenly abandon half the population and say, well, you lost, no, 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 no. Or slightly you're, less than half. You're irrelevant. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, but so, so I think we've got to deliver Brexit. And... Um, that is the absolute. But what about the legality? On or the legality, yeah. So these amendments, it is confusing. I know. Um, look, at, something only becomes law in here when a bill goes through both the Commons and the Lords, and eventually goes to the Queen for royal assent. And so these amendments aren't legally binding tonight. And depending on how the Speaker arranges um, uh, and which amendments he chooses, some of them are so-called indicative votes. They're simply a mechanism for Parliament to give a signal to government of where the centre of gravity lies. They only become binding once they've been through and, and achieved royal assent. And, and it's an important point. So, for example, so, the so withdrawal Theresa, bill... So Theresa May could, if she wished to, ignore any amendment she didn't like? She, um, uh, she could, but I think what the House would say is, OK, you didn't hear us, um, and then the Lords will put it into law. Yeah. Uh, and no Prime Minister tends to do that because Parliament is the sovereign... British people represented here. So, so well, let me just go back to Simon for a second. Sorry to interrupt you. Simon, mm. I, what I think is the case um, is that basically, you know, Parliament needs to pass this because unfortunately there was a law passed that said Parliament had the final say on what the deal is going to be. So she could ignore this particular amendment by law. She doesn't have to adopt it. But if it turns out that the Yvette Cooper amendment goes through, then she would have no chance of, of, of getting a deal agreed by, by Parliament if she if she then ignored it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that, Mike, and I think that the the no deal option has got to stay on the table. I mean, that's a bargaining chip. But what annoys me in all this, Mike, is mm. they put this vote out to the public. David Cameron said, "Umpteen times we live in customs union, single market. We'll honour the vote. We won't put anything, any obstacles in the way for it to happen." And the constant from day one has been this. Different factions trying to basically, they don't want to leave. And I wish a politician, when you speak to a politician, would say, look, I'd have more credibility for a Mike if I said, I don't want to leave this, that and other. I mean, yeah. I listened to the Lord Adonis on Sunday, I'm talking to Nigel Farage, and he was adamant he just wants to stop it. Now, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not the doom and gloom, Mike. Seriously, it's not the doom and gloom. And, yeah. and we fought for the freedoms. My parents fought in both wars. And... We fought for these freedoms. We, we were given a chance to vote. We, we took that vote. I knew I was voted for. And to be tired with the brush that we didn't understand. And then you've got politicians basically sticking two fingers up and saying, yeah. sorry, we don't like what you voted for. We, we think you should do that. No? Simon, thanks very much indeed. Long, last yeah, I think quick so, word from you, George. Simon makes a very really quickly. important point. And, and I mean, I'm a politician and I'm not saying 
that you're a gammon head as you as you use that phrase or anything like that we've got to respect the will of the people but i have to say many of my leave voters wanted to remain in the common market they didn't vote to leave the single market yeah. they want to be out of the customs union mm. free to do trade deals not subject to the political union and that's why i'm backing the european free trade area mm. efta as a plan b and a lot of them don't want the immigration to be free either but that's another story that we don't have time to evo uh, evoke right. at this particular moment uh, in time thank you very much indeed Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham here on College Green. We're in Westminster on what we're calling Super Tuesday. Uh, got some great calls coming up, 0344 499 uh, I haven't got the big coat on yet, so it must be not quite as cold as I thought, but I've now put a scarf and gloves on. Uh, here's one from Dippy, who's tweeted in at Talk Radio. Uh, he says, I've said it before, but Ross Kempsell's analysis is always spot on and in terms which are clear to understand and not a hint of bias either way. The blend of pragmatism and challenge uh, on the MG Independent Republic is a tonic for a leave voter. I must call in one day. Well, you must, Dippy. You really should. Uh, because I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to take a call now from Michael, uh, who's called in, wants to talk about Brexit. Hello, Michael. Hi, Mike. It's yeah. Michael. How are uh, you, Michael? Hi, very very nice yeah. to hear you. <laughs> nice to hear you too. How are you, man? Y yeah, very well. A little bit chilly, but uh, I'm surviving. Yes. Uh, in, back to yesterday's speech about Brexit, I didn't have time to call you back. Okay. But at the same time, you said you don't like Polish people and you don't trust them. That's not what I said. Yes, that's what you said. And no, 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 no. Yes. You must have you must have misheard me. I I like Polish people a lot. Christ me, that's, I never heard of this from you. I've heard this on the, on the radio. Okay. The, well, I tell you what. You want to have a listen? Have a listen to what I said. Okay. Listen to this. I don't like Poles. I wasn't talking about Polish people. Yes. I was talking about polls, you know, when you do a poll to find out what people think. You know, like they say 55% of people vote remain, 45% vote leave. That's a poll. I wasn't no, talking but about... You, but later on you said uh, you don't trust them, so you don't... So I don't trust, trust them. I, no, that's true. I don't trust polls. And I don't like polls because I don't trust them. But that's not Polish people. No, that's what I thought. That's what I pick up. So that's oh, I'm terribly I, sorry. Uh, Listen, like, well, I would never, I would never say anything like that. No, so in this case, I never learned English. <laughs> no, listen, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm very glad you, you called in because I wouldn't want you walking around thinking that Mike Graham is a horrible bigot. He doesn't like Polish people. No, no, I, I, I was thinking, what, what, what the hell? What, what's going on here? I said, I, I'm, I'm asking you back and then explain a few things. But no, <laughs> no I, listen, I, I I'm very I, glad. Listen, let me ask you a question, Michael. Are you living, yes. you're living in this country now? Yes, I'm living for the last 14 years. Okay, and what are you thinking come March the 29th about Brexit? What's your view? No, I, I don't take to, to, into my head too much, so I don't okay. really bother with this. I'm just um, happy that two countries, England and Poland, uh, get on well uh, Good. now. So that's because the there, are some, there are some people in Poland who might want to leave the European Union as well, right? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think you should stay by this. Uh, but the change on on the top of these Eurocrats people, and then uh, Europe be, will be become a better place. Yes, 
Yes, I think that's true. Okay, listen. Well, Michael, I really appreciate your call. Thank you very much for uh, for calling the show, and thank thank you for listening as well. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to sort that out because I certainly wouldn't want people to think uh, that in any way, shape, or form, uh, I was in any way racist or bigoted or anything like that. I don't like Poles. I'm going to say it again. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't like Polish people. I don't trust Poles. Okay, that doesn't mean that I don't trust Polish people. I don't like Poles. I don't trust them. Simple. You know what I mean. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The fallout, the fury, the future. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. So the scene is set. Uh, already there are people standing up inside the chamber talking about amendments by people like Sir Graham Brady, who wants an alternative arrangement to the Irish backstop. We're waiting to see whether Yvette Cooper's amendment, which will effectively delay Brexit, uh, certainly for three months, possibly for nine months. We'll see if that gets through. Jeremy Corbyn has got his own amendment as well. Uh, we're hearing about the Malthouse compromise as well. There's all sorts of things going on, all sorts of deals being done. Owen Smith is here from Pontypridd uh, to tell us what he's going to do. Owen, uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon to you. Thank you for braving the weather. Um, What are you making of uh, the day so far and and has anything surprised you yet? I'm slightly surprised that some of the people who've been on the sensible wing of the Tory party, if you like, the party that's not, you know, the bit of the Tory party that's not trying to crash us out, Mm. have joined forces with some of those people who clearly do want to crash us out and have come up with this Malthouse compromise, which I think is a blind really for what they've been trying to do for a while, which is play this as long as possible, um, frankly ask for things that the EU has already rejected 
anticipating that that'll take us right to the wire and to a no deal that they seem increasingly sanguine about. It's so difficult for ordinary people to work out what's going on here, though, I mean, because what we hear all the Agreed. time, and I've said this uh, throughout the last couple of days here, I'm, I'm trying to kind of get to a point where we're not just repeating ourselves all the time. We're not just arguing about the positions that we hold, that we're actually trying to find some kind of solution. And surely this Malthouse arrangement, compromise, whatever you want to call it, is a step in that direction, i.e. a step in the direction of trying to sort of somehow find a bit of common ground that people may have. Now, um, if that's all just a game and it means that they're just really trying to disguise the moment at which we, 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 we go to a no-deal Brexit on March the 29th, then there isn't really any point in anybody talking to anybody, is there? I think it is just a game, is the reality. I think that amendment today is, as I said, just about trying to kick this into the long grass as much as they can, get close to the 29th, keep the prospect of no deal on the table. And in some respects, there's a similarity between the tactics that the ERG are now employing, albeit with this sort of cover from some of the, the more Remainy Tories, and the Prime Minister, which is to keep this going to the last minute so that there's a Hobson's choice for people. Uh, in Theresa May's case, what she's hoping is that means people will be forced at the last minute to plump for her deal. Yeah. In the ERG's case, they right. hope that, that means her deal will fall over at the last minute and we will just tumble out with no deal. And of course, from the European Union's perspective, we hear all the time uh, from people who also don't want a no deal Brexit that they will always change their minds at the last minute and they will go down to the wire and so there will never be an opportunity for us to have no deal because they will prefer us to always have a deal. Well, I think that's also probably right. <laughs> I personally don't think there is any prospect of no deal. I think the ERG are you know, howling at the moon on that because most people in Parliament and indeed I think are... Uh, interlocutors in the European Union realise that it would be a disaster for Britain and disaster for the EU if we went out on no deal and so even if we do get to the last minute my gut instinct has always been that um, you know everybody will blink and we will end up with a deal yes. of some sort that's in fact all, I think that's, that's the most likely my, scenario well that's always been my most likely scenario because I mean before the, the situation was changed in terms of today's vote and the fact that it's no longer a kind of meaningful vote that's going to be later on um, I was always of the impression that, that she would come back with something slightly better than the last deal, uh, which would be lost again, but to a lesser number. And then the third time she'd come back, she'd get it done. And that's kind of effectively what may happen here, where we'll get to February the 26th, something will happen, whether Yvette Cooper's uh, amendment goes through or not. I think there will be a deal, because in the end, it's like the thing that most people least want, it seems, uh, is a no deal, if you know what I mean. Uh, look, I, I, I think that playbook from the Prime Minister has been really obvious for a long time. I think mm. you're essentially right. And my view is that will be a disaster for our country because what she is taking us towards is effectively hard Brexit, out of the single market, out of the customs union, a very, very distant relationship with the EU. You know, it's not no deal, which would be calamitous, mm. but it's not a million miles short Although of you say calamity. That, you say that, of course, and, and the hard Brexiteers on the Tory side say, actually, no, it's not extreme enough. So, again, for people listening to this show who are as confused as they could possibly be in the country. We've taken a lot of calls today from people saying, you know, is this legal? Is that legal? What does it mean? You know, people are very confused about what is going on because they don't know who to believe, Owen, because they hear use being very clear about a no-deal being a disaster. Uh, we have other MPs. Um, uh, we had Andrew Bridging on yesterday saying, you know, a no-deal would be absolutely fine. You know, nobody knows really who's got it right. Well, all I'd say is... I, I agree with you that I think people are deeply confused and I think some people are quite content that people are confused. But I think 
the experts, whom we still ought to pay some attention to, are pretty clear that well, no deal Well, it depends on the experts it. again, Well, it? whoever they are, the government, you know, most of economic commentators in our country, you know, 99 out of 100 economic commentators think that no deal Brexit would be disastrous for us. Most of the same people, including the government, think that even her deal is going to knock 4%-ish off our GDP in the short to medium term. That's tantamount to what we did in 2008-9 that's led to 10 years of austerity. I think but that's bad the, for our I economy mean, and if, bad for my if constituents. if you look at some of the co economies in the European Union, they're in a lot worse shape than ours is. So, I mean, it's well, that's not true in terms of growth. I mean, it, it really isn't well, true. Well, it is true. In Spain, it's worse. In Germany, it's worse. In France, it's worse. Well, they're been <laughs> rising in the streets in France. I saw a story this morning saying Bank of America are going to move 400 of their employees in the case of a no-deal Brexit to Paris. To which I said, well, you better give them all gas masks because it gets pretty nasty there at the weekends. You know, there's nothing going on in Europe that we should be envious of, is there? In growth terms, yes. Our economy is growing slower than many of those European economies. And my very which simple one? contention well slower than Germany slower than France if you look at the last couple of quarters of growth we're doing much worse than those economies you and if you look at the, yeah absolutely I think and if you look at the last uh, eight years of growth across Europe we've been you know frankly a very poor third best in most uh, on most league tables so there's no doubt that the last 10 years have been bad for Britain and we're going to extend that but bad we've been in run. Europe for the last 10 years we have so what <laughs> has that happened get, and it's going to get well, worse hang on. well how well, can you make an argument hang on how can you make an argument that we've been in Europe for 10 years and that's why we are where we are very, very and simply, it'll get let me finish. If we leave. Very simply, because we've been doing economic strategy driven by the Conservative government since 2010, which essentially thought that we could cut our way back to growth. Anybody who's ever worked in business knows that doesn't work. You need to invest in order to grow your economy or your business. And if we exit Brexit, and according to the same government, the one that's in power right now, and we do what they say is going to happen, not me, but them, and shrink the economy, whatever sort of Brexit we have, then they will have to carry on with more of the same, cutting uh, spending in our country. Well, they would argue Ten the years opposite, though, wouldn't they? Well, if, if, well, if we think that they're going to respond to the contraction in our economy, but with expansionary Keynesian investment economics, it will be at odds with what the Tories have done for the last yeah, hundred years. But again, you know, you're making all this sound very certain. One thing you can't be, Owen, is certain about anything, because all of the predictions of uh, the Labour Party when they were last in government didn't work out terribly well. When the Labour government did leave, uh, we all remember the little note that was left behind in which it said, sorry, we spent all the money. You know, the Tories inherited a terrible, massive debt that was made by the Labour Party. Now, I'm not a Labour voter or a Conservative voter. I don't have any polit party political affiliation. But what I'm saying is, is that what you've just said all sounds terribly good and terribly convincing. And if I was one of your constituents, I'd probably vote for you. However, people out there are going, what's he talking about? But what you've just said, right, ain't true. What do you mean that ain't, ain't true? true? Under the last Labour government, we had 36 consecutive quarters of growth. Are you we telling me that you didn't leave a large deficit? The longest period of economic growth. Are you we then, me you we didn't then leave a large had, deficit? We then, no, no, there Are was a massive... you didn't leave nope. a note in the little t treasury box uh, for the nope. incoming uh, government? Are nope. oh, you saying that what didn't happen? No, well, I'm Liam not saying Byrne that. I'm not saying that. What so I'm just saying, say yes, then. No, what I'm saying is very straightforwardly. Oh, really? 36 quarters of growth. Longest period for a long period. Most people in this country remember that period. Let me get a word in. Most people in our country remember that between two th 1997 and about 2008, we had a very strong economy with lots of investment in public services, good growth in our jobs market, and you know in solid economic jobs market. Yeah. Solid economic performance attracted huge amounts of foreign direct investment into the private sector. Yeah. What happened in 2008? Well, we had a banking sold off crash. The, uh, they sold off the banking business, Down, didn't they? No, in 2008 we had a banking crash starting in America as a result of the subprime mortgages, which infected the whole world, including our country, and we then saw a big drip in our 
of dip in our economy, and the Labour government then made a decision to spend money between 2008 and 2010 to stop that, that was right? depression, uh, recession turning. Do you think that was the right thing to do? Absolutely, what, no, to no question. Banks? To make sure that what we had then, which is a deep recession, didn't to turn into what it could have been, which is an absolutely profound depression. Mm. It was the right thing to do. And again, most economic historians, looking back, agree with it's the right thing to do. What's gone wrong since then is the Tory government turned off the tap in 2010, thinking wrongly that the right thing to do to grow our economy was to start cutting back on public spending. Osborne had to admit that he was wrong, and he actually started dialing up public spending Don't get me in 2012. Started on George Osborne. That well, was look, a man who I'm just giving you, the giving you what I think the, the real well, history. Well, listen, is. I, no, well, no, you're not giving me the real history. You're giving me your particularly shaded and and, and and treated history because you're a Labour man, and that's fine, and I don't have a problem with that. But what you've got to understand is that the good people of this country are starting to get a bit wise to all of this nonsense, right? And what they want is people to talk to them straight, talk to them plain, not to uh, to shade the language with their own particular political persuasion, and to tell them the truth for but heaven's sound, sake. Sound, sound bites might like you know Labour sold off the bank in or Labour bailed out the bank in or well, Labour left a massive recession. You know, the truth the truth is it's much more complicated than that, is. and it is what I've described. And most people, I think, if they look back on that period between 1997 and 2010 under Blair and Brown, will remember that we largely right. had a very good economy and most people saw improvements in their living standards. Because they borrowed an awful lot of money. And in the end, if Gordon Brown was such a great Prime Minister, although an unelected one, why is it that he didn't win the election if everything well, was going we, so well? We didn't win the election because of the banking crash in 2008 and because of the downturn that brought about in our economy and the borrowing that the Labour government undertook was all in that latter two years. There wasn't huge amounts of borrowing in the early years. What we did was pay off borrowing and pay off the deficit to the lowest but he was levels supposed right the way through Chancellor to the banking crash. And he lost well, the plot, and during that period, between 97 and 2007, when he was the Chancellor, we were paying down the debt and reducing the country's deficits to the lowest levels. It all went up, we all know, because of the banking crash in 2008-9. That's the truth of what happened under Labour. And frankly, whatever George Osborne and David Cameron tried to sort of sell as an alternative narrative, it doesn't make it right or true. So what are you selling us today, then, since we're now talking about 2019 I'm, and I, the rest of the future I'm selling of this the, country? I'm selling the fact that Brexit, I think, is going to be a catastrophe for our country and that those of us who believe that uh, and believe that the right thing for our constituents and our country and the values we believe in is to continue to resist it, can take a bit of art from the fact that I'm going to do exactly that tonight and vote against it. When will it. you stop resisting it? Uh, if we have another vote, a popular vote, which I think would be the democratic thing to do to test whether people still like this version of Brexit that they're now getting to know versus that which they were sold back in 2016, if that goes against those of us who are still saying that staying in the EU is a better prospect for our country, then we will have to give up and go away. So as it was uh, said to me once by a caller, in order to win uh, the referendum to leave the European Union, you have to win it twice. Whereas if you want to remain in it, you only have to win it once. That's well, I, not fair, is it? I, well, look, uh, I, I, I don't think this question goes away in our lifetime, to be perfectly honest. I think those people... Really? Who, no, How I depressing. Think, well, I agree with you about I'd that. I'd like to get on with the rest of my life. And me. <laughs> So tonight, are you going to vote with uh, Yvette Cooper? Yes. Are you going to vet, vote with Jeremy Corbyn? Yes. Are you going to vote with uh, Jack Dromey? Yes. And are you not going to vote for Graham Brady? I'm not going to vote for that, right. yes. Right, OK. So I think we know what Owen Smith is going to do. Uh, by all means, call us, please. 0344 499 1000. Very enjoyable. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. Uh, he is, of course, a staunch Remainer and will remain so uh, until such time as uh, you tell him not to basically by voting again and saying you don't want to be in Europe. Uh, this is Talk Radio, and this is the Independent Republic.
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier-sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're down live on College Green, of course, in Westminster. Another massive day for Theresa May. Uh, she's got to try and push through the Graham Brady Amendment. Uh, she's got to try and fight off the Yvette Cooper Amendment. Uh, we're going to talk now uh, to Joe Tywin, uh, who is from Delta Pole, of course. And before, Joe, uh, we get to you, uh, I just want you to listen to a little bit of, uh, of a, uh, an interchange we had a little bit earlier on on the show about polling. You said you don't like Polish people and you don't trust them. That's not what I said. Yes, that's what you said. And no, 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 no. Yes, you must have you must have misheard me. I I like Polish people a lot. Well, I tell you what, you want to have a listen. Have a listen to what I said, okay? Listen to this. I don't like Poles. I wasn't talking about Polish people. So now I've upset Joe Twyman, who of course is a pollster, uh, because apparently I don't like polls. Maybe I should go back to saying I don't like Polish people, but that wouldn't be true. So, Joe, my apologies. Thank you for coming to the show uh, to, to, to help us out through the, uh, the final moments of it. Uh, and uh, the reason I said that, of course, is because I don't like people actually who rely on polls to prove a point, because polls are only really an indicator, aren't they? Yes, that's right. And, uh, and uh, to think I thought we were friends. <laughs> um, uh, what I would uh, what I would say is that polls are only ever a snapshot of public opinion yeah. at a given time. They have a margin of error associated with them. We've talked about that a lot. But also, there is something artificial mm. about asking somebody, how would you vote on this issue? Right. What do you think about this very specific detail? Because actually, most of the time, most people, normal people, the average person out there and the 50% of people less engaged than the average person in the street, isn't paying much attention. They're not really thinking mm. about that. And so by asking that question, you create an artificial result really anyway. Yes. That doesn't mean that's not of value, but it doesn't mean that it provides all the answers. And how important is it at the size of the poll? Because I was hearing somebody the other day saying that unless a poll involves about 2,000 people minimum, that it's not really worth the paper it's printed on. Well, size does matter to mm. some extent, but it's not just the number of people responding. It's the type of people. What you want is a number of people that represent the population as a whole. Right. So you need the right number of old people, young people, men, women, right. people who went to university, people who didn't go to university, people who voted leave at the last referendum, people who voted remain at mm. the last referendum. All those things right. are very important to get the balance right. Which presumably means that data collection is very important for pollsters too, because in order to know who they're asking... They must have all that information on those people that they're asking. Yes, that's right. It, it really, uh, in a lot of cases, it comes down to an arms race yeah. uh, between the different companies and who can collect the most data mm. about their uh, about their respondents right. and ensure that, that data is as accurate as possible. Okay. Now, you and I have had many conversations about who the next leader of the Tory party might be, emerging as it may or may not be over the course of the next few weeks and months. But, but actually... Today's not about that anymore, is it? The, the shift has kind of happened that Theresa May has, has managed to fight off all of her detractors. She's managed to get herself in the, the hot seat, I guess, for the remainder of the future that we can see, at least for another year anyway, it would seem, unless there was a snap election called, um, which doesn't look terribly likely. What have you been polling on this week and what's your kind of take on the amendments and what is going to happen today. Yes, well, you're right. Once again, Theresa May has managed to see off uh, all challenges yeah. and, and uh, carries on, uh, carries on uh, undefeated. But uh, she obviously did receive the massive defeat in, uh, in 
Parliament yeah. around the the first of the uh, the first of the withdrawal the first meaningful votes. vote. Yeah, uh, and now we're getting on to Plan B, as mm. it's described, or indeed Plan C, Plan D, with the various different uh, different amendments. Yeah. What we're seeing again and again through the polling, however, is that the general public are getting really bored with yeah. this. There's a lot of Brexit fatigue setting in. Consistently, we've had more than three quarters of Leave voters saying that actually they don't care what happens mm. and how we leave the EU, what's important to them is that we do leave. Yeah. And this goes back to the to the point that really a blind Brexit, a hard Brexit, a soft Brexit, all of these are terms used in Westminster. Yeah. But the terms that are used out there among Leave supporters is a real Brexit. Yeah. They want something that they see as respecting the result of the referendum and that feels to them like we've left the European Union. Yeah. And that It's interesting that you say that, that, how it feels, because that's very important, I think, for a lot of people, you know, because perception is everything, often in politics, and much more so now perhaps than ever before, because you do want the sense that we've left the European Union. And if we, and if we get some kind of a soft Brexit, uh, which makes everything remain the same, really, people will say, well, that isn't Brexit. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, the, and the, that could well backfire again. The, uh, against the politicians because yeah. we know that a lot of people, not by no means all, but a lot of people voted to leave because they were dissatisfied and disenchanted, not just with politicians, but with the entire political process mm. generally. Right. And if those people then feel that they've been, for want of a better expression, cheated out of uh, Brexit by some sort of arrangement from all parties... Yeah. That is not going to improve their view of politicians. And indeed, Brexit may be the first stage, but what could be the second mm. or the third? Well, certainly there's no doubt that the politicians are doing a brilliant job of convincing those who were fed up with the establishment uh, to show exactly why they're fed up with the establishment, because they're not doing what they're paid to do, which is to carry out the will of those who voted in the referendum. It's almost as if they said, hey, feel disenchanted before, yeah. hold my beer. Exactly. Just wait and see Exactly what right. Joe, thank you very much indeed. And I'm sorry once again for my ludicrous statement about not trusting the pollsters uh, certainly you can trust the people that do the polls they just don't trust the results is all i'm saying across the uk online and on dab the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio so if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 monday to friday on talk radio via dab online or via the talk radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover we'd love to hear from you Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 